Thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate the privilege to be back with you. I hope that you have your copy of God's Word, because I'm going to, and a pencil, maybe a piece of paper. I'm going to cover a lot of scriptures today, and you're probably going to want to write some of them down and double check, make sure that I'm giving you the right scriptures and the right things uh, for that. But it's a great joy to be back with you. Thank you for all that you have done. Uh, and all that you continue to do through Dixie Jackson. Many of you don't know that you were in Hot Springs yesterday. Anybody else in Hot Springs other than me and my wife? No, no. Well, you were. I just want to tell you because of your giving to Dixie Jackson, uh, along with all the other churches in Arkansas, there were 1,600 Arkansas Baptists that showed up in Hot Springs, Arkansas over Friday and Saturday, primarily Saturday, and we went out about 9.30, and they did block parties, they did children's sites, they did feeding, uh, give, giving food away, they did cowboy days, they did prayer walking, they did evangelism. You did all of those kind of things through being involved in Dixie Jackson, and because of that, every three and a half minutes, while we were doing ministry, someone got saved. A hundred and two recorded decisions yesterday. You did that. I, I asked Miss Kelly and she told me that uh, prior to today, uh, your church had given $1,725. I think that's, if that's right. So thank you toward Dixie Jackson. Money is important. Money is significant. Prayer is more important. And so I hope that you will pray today and, and be thinking about it. I hope that you'll take your Bible. We're going to talk about a, a kind of a challenging subject today, a reality today that several people uh, have today that may not have had it last week. A good friend of mine has it today. As I was journeying up here, I heard that this good friend of mine had passed away, been suffering, and and he had passed away yesterday. He has the reality of heaven. He asked Jesus to be his Lord and Savior. If he did not have Jesus as his Lord and Savior, he would have the reality of what we're going to talk about today. The reality of hell. And so I want you to write it down. It's kind of a challenging scripture. I don't like to talk about hell too much. Uh, I'd much rather talk about heaven. But the opposite of heaven is hell. And it's not a good topic. It's not an exciting topic. And I don't want you to think, well, this is what Bob Harper says. I want you to know this is what God's Word says. It's, uh, it's something that God's Word teaches us and helps us to understand. And, and uh, hopefully none of us are headed that way. Hopefully none of us are like the little boy who was painting the white fence. And, and he kept painting. And every, every time he'd paint, the, the black things of the world would come through and shine through. And he'd paint over it again and, it come through. That's the way our sins are. It's like when I, when I was planting corn for my dad. Dad told me to drop corn about every three or four, one kernel of corn about every three or four inches. And when you get through, Bob, you can go fishing. Great. I can go fishing when I get there. Yeah. But now drop a kernel of corn about every three or four inches and then take the hole and just cover it up. When you get through, you can go fishing. I went down the first row about every three or four inches Finished that row and started on the second row, and man, it's taking a long time. It'd go a lot faster if I dropped three or four kernels. 
Or if I just kind of empty the bag at certain places and then covered them up. So I, I went ahead and planted my corn, sowed my seeds. Some of you know what's going to happen, don't you? For a couple of weeks there, everything was fine until God sent a great rain and all of those seeds sprouted. And my dad did this to me. Look, look here. It's amazing how every one of those corn seeds came up. I believe none of them, uh, all of them sprouted. And, and you know, I'm going to get a wad of corn coming up here. That's the way our sins are. They're going to come back. Whatever we sow, we're going to reap. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. There's a reality to that, that it's going to happen in our life. That's a truth in life that's going to be there. In this scripture passage that we, we read about, Jesus has been talking for a long time in the Bible and in Luke's recording, and he talks about the unjust steward at the beginning of chapter 16 of Luke, chapter 16. I don't know if I gave you that. Luke 16. We're going to start reading verse 19. He talked about the law, the prophets, and the kingdom. It's going on. Then he talked about this wonderful story about a rich man and a man named Lazarus. If you've got your Bible open, if you would and, and are able to, if it's okay for you, would you stand out of reverence for God's Word? And, and we're going to start reading in verse 19, Luke chapter 16. Verse 19, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and he fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sore, so it was that the beggar died, was carried by the angel to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes, and he saw Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he might dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted. And you are tormented. And besides all of this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. He said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you'd send him to my father's house. I've, I've got five brothers that he might testify to them, lest they come to this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, They've got Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Bow with me as we pray. Father, you be our teacher today. We know that you love us. We know that you gave your son Jesus Christ for all the things that we've done wrong. And we thank you for that. But Lord, we also know that you've got a great plan in life, and, and that plan is that every one of us, everybody, would come to know Jesus through faith in you and ask for forgiveness of our sins and would spend all of eternity with you. But Lord, the reality is so true in your scripture as well. 
But if we don't come to Jesus, if we go away from Jesus, if we do things our own way, Father, there's a reality called hell, and that's to be separated from you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to and through me today so that none of us would ever, ever know that reality. You be our teacher. Help us, Lord, to be good listeners and good followers. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the realities the rich man realized was that there was no other options. His reality of life had come true. He was had lived in luxury all of his earthly life. Earthly life seemed to be the most important thing. He forgot about that this is not our home, that there's another place. And he thought, well, you know, I'm all right here. He had heard of heaven. He had heard of hell. But in verse 22, that reality check occurred. And he found out. You see, if there's no hell... As some people would have us to believe, there would be no heaven. And if there's no heaven, there would be no need of Jesus. And if there was no need of Jesus, we'd all have it made. But the reality is, there is a heaven. And there is a hell. And one of these days, we will be in one or the other. That's the reality that that we need to realize. And none of, anybody here that's 200 years old? You know, may, maybe a hundred. Thursday evening I had the privilege of, of preaching a, a, a different message. And an 84-year-old lady came forward during the invitation and said, I've lived my earthly life and I've never accepted Jesus. But I realized for the first time how desperately I need Jesus, and I want to ask Jesus into my life. I like to went Pentecostal. What a one! Don't wait till you're 84. That's not the theme. The theme is the reality came true for her that that she was a sinner. She had lost everything, and she needed Jesus. If there is no hell. There is no heaven, but there are an options. Read with me or listen. If you've got your piece of paper, I, I'm not going to wait for you to cover all these scriptures, but I want you to jot them down. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. Here's where we understand that hell is prepared for the devil and all of his angels. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15 says, How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You've been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations... You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. This is what Satan is saying. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But scripture says, but you're brought down to the grave. To the depths of the pit. Write down 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 9. 
For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but He sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment, if He did not spare the ancient world when He brought the flood on its ungodly people, but He protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if He condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what's going to happen to the ungodly, And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds that he saw and heard, if this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and uphold their unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. The story of the rich man and Lazarus is a classic example from Jesus of the reality of hell. Hell is a real place. Hell has no exit door. Hell is a place of torment like you and I have never, ever known. And so we see the rich man begging Father Abraham to send Lazarus the beggar, just to put his finger in the, in the water and come and put it on his tip of his tongue. Suffering was there. The entire Bible teaches us that hell is real. Heaven and hell, places, there's no other option. Secondly, there is no other chance. Once you are no longer living on this earth, You've already made that decision. It's not a, oh, let me back up and change this. It's too late at that point. It's a place that's real. It's a place of darkness and torment. Matthew 25, 30, Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 17, Excuse me, Matthew 13, verse 40 through 42. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they'll weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin, and all who do evil, they will throw them into the fiery furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a, it's a place of total darkness where there is absolutely no light. You can't see anything, but you're just totally lost. No wisdom, no knowledge, total darkness. Many times in our life we may say the statement, I guess I was in the dark concerning, you get to hell, you're going to be in the dark. Big time in the dark. But big time suffering, big time gnashing of teeth, big time reality of burning. And not being able to take your hand off of the fire. Horrible place. Matthew twenty five forty one, and again in verse 46 says it's an everlasting fire. Then shall he say to them on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, and these shall go away, verse 46, into everlasting punishment. <clears throat> but the wicked into life eternal. It's always going to be there. Never burned up. Revelation 14, verse 9, A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on the forehead or on the hand, he too will drink of the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength in the cup of his wrath. 
He will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. There is no rest, day or night, for those who worship the beast and his image, or for anyone who receives the mark of his name, Revelation 20.10, and the devil who deceived them. Don't blame God for deceiving you. The devil who deceived them, us, was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet have been thrown and they'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. The rich man said in verse 24, I'm in agony in this fire. Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 says, The cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in this lake of fire. Talk about your companions. <laughs> you won't be able to see them, but they'll be there with you. You talk about a, a haunted house, <laughs> a haunted experience, a place of isolation where no one else can help you, no one else will share in your misery. That's hell. Luke 16, 26 says it's a place of no exit. It's a bottomless pit where no dimensions. Have you ever fallen off of something and you just, you knew you were falling and, and you thought, oh, this is not going to be good when I land. You're always going to be having that feeling. This is not good. It's a place away from the goodness of God where sin is ruler. Here's the last part of that. It's a place that you and I choose. God doesn't force you. See, if God forced us, Jesus would have come down off the cross, thrown us all away, started us all over, given us another chance and said, Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll change this for you and, and that way you'll be with me forever. No. It's a place where you and I choose. One thief on one side of the cross chose Jesus. Today, you're going to be with me in paradise. The other thief did not choose Jesus. Today, you're going to be separated from God in a place of torment, a place of eternal punishment, in a place that's not good. You see, the rich man realized that there was no other warning for him. He had had opportunities. Maybe he was like us. He'd been in church. He'd heard the gospel, different things. It's a place where no one can escape. No one can come to get you out or tell you about anything else. Lazarus, go warn my brothers. Hey, this is terrible, and I know I'm here, but go warn my brothers. Nope, nope. Sorry. Sorry. You've already had your warning. This is your choice. This is your punishment. This is what you chose. Every once in a while while I was growing up, my parents would tell me something like, I'm not going to tell you that again. And they didn't. Many times the punishment began. My dad 
was one of those kinds that would invite me into the bathroom. Now, before you get the wrong impression, let me explain to you how our bathroom, we had a one-bathroom house. The commode sat here, and the bathtub ran here. There wasn't a whole lot of space in between them, okay? And my dad would sit on one or the other, and I would sit on the other one. And we would be eyeball to eyeball, nose to nose, and sometimes even holding hands. And he would explain to me, again, why there was no other warning. Why we were there. Why I had messed up. What he had told me and what I had chosen to do was wrong. If he'd have just picked me up and beat the tar out of me, it'd been a lot better. But he'd explain it to me again. And there was no denying that's what I had done. And then he would spank me. Never beat me. He should have beat me a lot worse. But then he would spank me. And then he would set me back down on one or the other. And we'd talk about that again. Because my father loved me. And he was warning me, disciplining me, and then warning me again not to do that again. And I'm so grateful. I, I, there was no way I could say to my dad, hey, this is not right. I tried. I tried to tell him Billy and Johnny and Tommy and all them other guys made me mess up. But he knew it was me. When you, when you read this passage of Scripture... And you read about the rich man and Lazarus. One of the truths of it is there's no other option. There's no other chance and there's no other warning. I've told you this. You've heard this. I believe that our God is a God that's fair. That our God is a God that loves us. That our God has done everything that is needed for our salvation to get us to heaven. That I believe that the rocks and the hills cry out to us that there is a God that loves us. There's a God that wants best for us. There's a God that's pleading with us. There's a Savior that went to a cross for us and said, I love you. Father, forgive them. They didn't know what they were doing. But he still says, it's your choice. a result of our sin for all of us have sinned all of us have sinned and come short of the glory the the wages what we've earned because of our sin is to be separated from God that's what the Bible calls death that's where there is there is no coming back from it it's an it's not just a physical death it's a spiritual death that there is no other warning too late I think the rich man realized something else. I think he realized there's no other name whereby we can be saved other than the name of Jesus. He had had his opportunities. He had been blessed beyond measure on his earthly life. Luke says, Jesus said he'd fared sumptuously every day. <laughs> That's us. I don't care what you're... Life is like, 
In all of eternity, you and I have fared sumptuously. And the truth of the matter is, some of us have fared even more than sumptuously. Most of us are trying to lose weight or we got more clothes, we got more things than we know what to do with and we're missing out on the most important thing. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him should not perish, that's that word death, but he would have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Now, whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. He's made His choice because He has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light. And they saw that their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light will not come into the light for fear that his deeds are going to be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that may be seen plainly what has been done has been done through God. Oh God. Would we just be honest with ourselves and see ourselves as you see us? But not to run away from you, but to recognize our sinfulness, to repent of our sin, to say, God, shine the light on me and help me to realize, to place our faith in Jesus and make Him Lord. My dad used to say when I'd get in trouble at school or whatever, and I'd come home and I'd say, Dad... You know, it's Billy, it's Tommy, it's Johnny, it's somebody else. We've all got an excuse. Dad would say, well, ask the teacher to watch you. No, no, wait a minute, Daddy. can't get it. They're making me do something I shouldn't do. Excuse. Dad said, no, you didn't get it. Ask the teacher to watch you, Bob. And the teacher will know that you're doing right. He'll know that the others are wrong. Now, you may have to pay a price for what Billy and Tommy and Johnny and Sally and whoever's doing. You may all get punished in life some. We know that. Everything in this world's not fair. There's drunk drivers that cross the center line and kill innocent people. There's people that, that smoke in our houses or do things in our house and we have secondhand smoke. We, we can blame whoever we want to blame. We live in an evil, sinful world. Adam did that. Eve did that. We can blame Adam or Eve, whichever one we want to blame. But you and I are all sinners. Even when we ask Jesus into our life, we still mess up. And so daily, God is looking in us, not out of hatred or out of judgment, but out of love to discipline us warning us this is the right way of life this is the wrong way of life let's walk in the right way of life oh holy spirit come into our life and reveal to us individually what it is i'm supposed to do help me to live for you so that i can do the right thing read a story one time of a young lady who had lost her eyesight at birth, but some miraculous surgeon was able to correct her, her eyes, and she began to see, and she was just amazed at all the things that suddenly had, had she was able to experience and to see, and she looked at her mom, and she said, Mom, why didn't you tell me this? And she said, I tried. 
But there's no way until you see it yourself. See, your mom and dad may be telling you, you need to come to Jesus. But until you do that yourself, it won't happen. Next Sunday, I won't be here. You won't have to hear me preach next Sunday. Get an amen from that. <laughs> I'm going to be baptizing another grandson. And I'm going to be praying. And I'm going to be crying. And I'm going to be happy. i praying for him. And he said yes to Jesus and called me and said, can you come? And I said, absolutely. I said, you just tell me when and I'll call Brother Jason and say, I'm unavailable to you. I'm going to be with him. Some of you have family members that are lost and on their way to hell. And you know they need Jesus. And it ought to break our hearts to the point of tears, to the point of crying, to the point of telling them over and over, to the point of helping us. Listen to what the words of this hymn says. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin in the grave, weep over the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus the mighty to save. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus, He's merciful, Jesus will save. Though they are sliding Him, Still, he is waiting. He's waiting the penitent child to receive. Plead with him earnestly. Plead with him gently. He will forgive if they only believe. Down in the human heart, crushed by the tempter, feelings lie buried that grace can restore, touched by a loving heart, wakened by kindness, cords that are broken will vibrate once more. Rescue the perishing. Duty demands it. Strength for thy labor, the Lord will provide back to the narrow way. Patiently win them. Tell that poor wanderer that a Savior has died. Rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. Our Jesus is merciful. Our Jesus will save. I'm so grateful that Jesus allowed some of us, some of you, be in hot springs yesterday by our hearts and our prayers and our gifts. And 102 people were rescued from Satan's snatches. I'm so grateful for a young lady that I didn't know was going to get baptized that made her decision public today. And, and she went through the waters and said to all of you, now then, you're my church family. You're my home. You are responsible for me to help me grow. You're to pray for me. You're to uplift me. When I mess up, you're to lovingly, gently call me back in. You're to help me to grow. And so every one of us was up in the water with them. You realize as a church member, that's your responsibility to help that young lady and her family to grow. Is she going to mess up? Yep. Going to be just like you. But our Jesus is merciful. Our Jesus will save. Our Jesus will help us. I believe in what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8 says. I believe that when a Christian dies... They immediately go to be with Jesus in heaven right then. Scripture says to be absent from this body, this earthly body, be present with the Lord. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, Today you're going to be with me in paradise. But I also believe that the opposite of that is true. 
I don't know God's time frame. You get to heaven, it's going to be eternal. There won't be a daylight and a dark. Jesus will be the, the light of all the world. We won't ever have to go to sleep. We'll have a great time. If we rest, it won't be tiring. You'll be having a wonderful, wonderful experience. Every day is going to be better than the day before. I can't explain to you how that's going to be, but I'm excited about it because sometimes the days are not too good now. If we get to heaven, every day is going to be better than yesterday. And it's going to be better than the yesterday before that. And there's going to be no sickness. And there's going to be no disease. And there's going to be no sin. And there's going to be nothing else. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful experience. Heaven is real. So is hell. And it breaks my heart when I realize statistics tell us that at least half of the people in Arkansas that are our neighbors are on a one-way trip to hell. And you and I have got the good news. You and I have got the opportunity to tell them. (laughs) We've got the opportunity to reach out and say, you know, brother, I'm a sinner too. I've... I want to tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Some of them are 80 years old, 90 years old. Some of them are 8 years old. Some of them are 6 years old. Some of them are learning in your Awana program every day. And so that little 4-year-old that's kicking you in the shins, uh, suck it up, buttercup. One of these days they'll be in the baptistry. If you keep loving on them, tell them about Jesus. That's our, that's our role. Those days when you get up like my wife and I did this morning are kind of early and we were trying to say, man, these muscles are tired. We've been moving boxes. We've been doing this and that. And you say, well, it's okay because a person that didn't know Jesus every three and a half minutes came to know Jesus because you and I got involved in their lives. Somebody Gave him a cup of cold water. Somebody told him about Jesus. Somebody prayed for him. Somebody walked by their house and just prayed for their house. And then another team walked by and knocked on their door and said, what can we pray for you for? What can we help you to know about Jesus? Why? Because this good book, this wonderful word of life, tells us there is a heaven. And it also tells us there is a hell. And we need to understand the realities of that. And here's what I don't want you to do. And about through. I don't want you to ever be afraid of God or Jesus. I want to tell you that He's holy. He has nothing to do with sin. He never made you mess up, not once. If He's tempting you of anything, He's helping you to grow, not to fall, to grow. Challenging us to trust Him more. The older I get in life, the more I just look to God and say, God, (laughs) I don't understand all this. I don't understand this culture. I don't understand this government. I don't understand what's happening in our schools. I don't understand people. But I do know that you created each one of us, male and female, and you didn't make any mistakes, so we don't have to change which one we are. Are you with me? We don't have to change that. God made you special, created you special. And we're all different. 
But he loves every one of us. And he's holy and he's righteous. And one day we're going to sit right across from him. And our knees are going to be popping. And our hearts, and, it, and if, if he'd just beat us, it'd be great. But he's going to say, Bob, you had a choice. You had an option. You had a warning. You knew the truth. This is what you chose. And I'm going to say, but, but God, I've messed up so much. And about that time, somebody else is going to come into the picture. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he's going to step in between a holy God and a sinful Bob Harper. And he's going to say, but God, when he was 10 years old, he said yes to you. He didn't understand everything that he needed to know, and he still doesn't when he's way out here But at this age. But, but when he was 10 years old, he said, you're my Lord and Savior. And, and he told people in the church, and they began praying for him and helping him. And he's messed up a whole bunch, but God, I forgave every one of those. Come on in here, Bob. You don't have to sit in front of a holy and righteous God. And God says, I love you. I created you. We get to spend all of eternity together. That's a good experience. But the opposite of that is also true. That if that third person never steps in, he's going to say, "Mm, depart from me. For I never knew you. You see, Bob, I knew your mother and dad, and I knew they carried you to church. I knew your sister, but I never knew you. And so it's a personal choice. And I'm so grateful that I claim Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Do I always represent Him? Nope. Mess up. But He still loves me, and He's still changing me. And one of these days... This earthly life's going to be over. And when I'm absent from this body, y'all can have this old body. I about messed it up anyway. You can have it. I'm going to be present with the Lord. And that's what I want for you. Don't be afraid of God. Never be afraid of Jesus. Never be afraid of the Holy Spirit who's convicting us of our sinfulness and calling us to be His child. So let's be busy about the business of rescuing the perishing, caring for the dying. Tell them about Jesus. Let's bow together and pray. Father, we're so grateful today that we have the reality that you love us, you care for us, you created us just to be who we are. And yet, Lord, you love us so much that you want to keep changing us into that person that you want us to be. And so... None of us are there completely, but Lord, many of us have said yes to Jesus. And so we, we pray you'll discipline us today. Lord, we ask that you, you help us to see with your Holy Spirit where we're messing up and that we would come by faith stronger to you. And maybe we need to join this church. Maybe we need to just come up forward and repent of our sins or, or say to somebody else, please forgive me for what I've been doing. Or, or Lord, help me to be more active in your church and more active in my community. Whatever it is, God, speak to our heart. And then, Lord, those that don't know you, help us to be salt and light for them. We wish that we could save them, but that's not us. We just tell them about what you've done for us. So, Lord, the best that we can do, help us be your witness.
We pray and thank you, praise you for giving us opportunities. So Lord, help us to use every opportunity because we realize one day as the rich man did, opportunity is gone. So lead us today to serve you. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.